You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Hebrews chapter 11. Again, this is often called the Hall of Faith. Here we've seen already the lives of Abel and Enoch and Noah. Abel, we saw, brought the acceptable sacrifice. Enoch preached righteousness to a wicked world. And Noah built an ark, as we saw last week, to save his household from the judgment upon that wicked world. Without question, these men have shown great faith and are reminders to us to be a people of faith. And that is the Apostle Paul's point. I believe in writing here to these Hebrews, these first century Jews turned Christians, they're encouraged to keep on keeping on in very difficult circumstances. Like what I shared with you a moment ago. I mean, we were down to $12 back in 2007 as a church. And to, to know that God delivered us from that place and now we sit in a building that's paid for is such a blessing with $3 million. What a blessing. It's amazing to see God continue to move. The Apostle Paul, in writing to these first century Christians, they were living in a very, very difficult time. This was mid-60s A.D., a time of great persecution. If you chose to trust Jesus and call on His name to save you, you could be killed. If you lived in Jerusalem you could be killed. If you lived in Rome, you could be thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. Very difficult time. Again, these Jews turned Christians were first, maybe second generation Christians at best. What does that mean? It's like the guy that graduated from college and he goes, yeah, I was the first one in my family to graduate from college. For many of these people, they were the first ones in their family to trust Jesus. And they were seen as outcasts. Because they, they had chosen to walk away from everything that they knew, everything that they f- were familiar with, everything that they were accustomed to, they were walking away from. You say, well, you say what are you talking about? Now, remember first century, first century Jerusalem. These people, they, they, were, they were being told by the Apostle Paul that they could have a relationship with God. And this was mind-blowing to them because they couldn't have a relationship with God and they could never come into the presence of God. No one could come into the presence of God except for the high priest one time a year. And where was that? In Herod's temple. You'll remember Herod. He was the the king. He was a, a kind of a pawn of Rome. And Rome didn't mind for the Jews to have their temple because they believed if they could worship a little bit, it would keep them from rioting and having problems. So Rome gave Herod the money to fix up the temple that was in disrepair. You'll notice there on the right-hand side of the screen, the women's court. That's interesting because that's where the people continued to gather even after the church started. Now, remember on day one, as you look at that, on day one, there was about 3,000 that were saved of the church. Remember, Peter preached at what we know of as Pentecost, and 3,000 were saved. Now, they didn't have a church building they didn't worship in church buildings till the end of the 2nd century, start of the 3rd century. 
So they worshiped in homes. But when they came together to meet, they would still meet there in the courtyard. In this case, the women's courtyard. Now, don't let that throw you. It says women's courtyard. It's not only for women. It was also for men. But the court of women was as far as a Jew could go. From here, only the priests and Levites were allowed to enter into the next area. You'll see that gate there. That's the Nicanor Gate. And that would lead you into the priest's courtyard. See this next diagram. It's in that area that you would go into, as a priest, the holy place. And then that one time a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go from the holy place through what? A curtain, it's called the veil, into the Holy of Holies. And what was found there? The presence of God. And yet now the Apostle Paul is telling these people, you can come into the presence of God. They're like, what? I can't come into the presence of God. No Jew, would, no, no Jew that feared for his or her life would ever walk into the, to the courtyard of the priest or, or go into the holy place or the Holy of Holies. They didn't It's just mind-blowing. No, we can never come into the presence of God. But something happened on Calvary. The day that Jesus died on the cross. Remember at midday, the sky went black, black as night. And what happened? There was an earthquake. And what happened inside that temple? What happened to that veil? It was torn from top to bottom, releasing to the people, the idea and the understanding that they could now come into the presence of God. Nothing would separate them from the presence of God. You don't have to bring a lamb. You don't have to talk to a priest. You don't have to talk to anybody. You yourself can talk to God. You yourself can talk to God. It's called the priesthood of the believer. It's fantastic when you think about it. That we don't have to go through anyone. This was mind-blowing to those Jews. Talk about a new normal. They had never understood any of this kind of talk. And so for them, this would take great faith. And this was the whole point of Hebrews chapter 11. God has always wanted to have a relationship with us. That's what he desired with Adam and Eve. And he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day until they sinned. And all of that was lost. By faith, we can have a relationship with God through Jesus. In fact, we can be called a friend of God. You know that's what Abraham was called? We're going to see the life of Abraham today, and he was called a friend of God. James 2.23 tells us that he was called a friend of God. The Bible says, and the Scripture was fulfilled. This is James 2.23 that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called, there it is, a friend of God. It's always been God's desire that we might have a relationship with him that's so close that we're friends. You see? Friends. To be in, that we can actually talk to God. Think of that. The God of the universe who spoke everything into existence. We can come to him now through Jesus. It's powerful. A restored relationship. A fantastic restoration. And today we're going to see through the life of Abraham that we have this relationship by faith. You've made your way there. Hebrews 11. We're going to read verses 8 through 16. Follow along with me. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Now, here comes the faith. And he went out, there it is, not knowing 
where he was going. That takes faith, okay? Mom, Dad, where are we going? We're in the car. We're riding down the road. I don't know. Huh? Come on, we're going. What do you mean you don't know? I mean, we'll plug up the GPS. No, we don't know where we're going. We're just going. He did. By faith, verse 9, Abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to what? Don't pass that word to the city. What city was Abraham looking forward to? Jerusalem? No. No, this city has a foundation whose designer and builder is God. What might that city be? The new Jerusalem that has the 12 foundations listed in the book of the Revelation. You mean Abraham was looking? That's what, that's what we're told here. Watch this. By faith, verse 11, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Why? Because she was barren. She couldn't have kids. Even when she was past the age, she was too old. Since she considered him faithful. See, even she had faith who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, that's Abraham. What do you mean he was good as dead? See, we got a problem here, folks. We always think that it's Sarah's problem they couldn't have a kid. But Abraham, he couldn't father a kid. It was, they were broken both ways in this case. This is, this is something that's easy to pass over. Abraham was as good as dead. In what way? in having descendants, but descendants were born to him, as many as the stars of the heaven, verse 12 says, and as many as the immeasurable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And so are we, church. We're just pilgrims passing through. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. This reminds me of the Israelites, some of whom wanted to go back to Egypt, remember? They wanted to return. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay here forever, do you? This is not heaven. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them what? A city. Now, church, up to this point in our study in the book of Hebrews, we're now almost 200 years past creation. Almost, excuse me, 2,000 years past creation. Let me, let me show you this by way of this chart. We've shown this chart to you several weeks, but, but you're getting familiar with it now. This is this Genesis timeline from Adam down to Abraham. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice Adam. He's top left. And then notice Abraham down there bottom right. And I want you to also notice something about how the ages are getting shrunk. See how long we got, you got Adam living all those years, you got Noah lived 950 years, Methuselah 969 years, and you get all the way down to Abraham and you see this thing starting to shrink down. You see that? And even with all of our technology today and all of the ability to do the things, medically speaking, the Bible described the fact that man will live around 75 years and isn't that still about the case? Things started to change. Now, now watch this. We're moving now almost 400 years since Noah's flood. That's that dotted line, two-thirds of the way across from left to right. And, and what we see now is that the world is beginning to change again. The world was cleansed from all evil, leaving nothing but Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their three wives and Noah's wife, eight people. And remember the, that the people, though, they started to build this tower 
and God to stop them confused their language, the Tower of Babel. And so finally the people dispersed. But what happened? They began to sin again and turn pagan. Very few were following God. They began to drift once again into sin. Still happens, doesn't it? What? Drifting. Drifting into things that we know that aren't right. And we just start thinking more like the world than God. Hey, can I ask you a question? Does a fish know he's wet? Hmm? We are immersed in a culture. We're like fish. We're surrounded by all kinds of pagan stuff. And it's so easy for it to begin to infiltrate our minds. We begin to move away from the things of God. It makes total sense to me. I, I don't throw stones at those people. I live in a glass house. I, I, I find myself so easily, if I'm not staying rooted in the Word of God, if I'm not staying rooted in prayer and spending time with the Lord, it's, you, you start drifting. Your, your language starts to drift, the way you talk, your attitude. And all of a sudden, you find yourself starting to do things. You go, wait, that's not me. That's, that's not me. And so you find yourself getting to a place you say, okay, I need to get back centered again. I need to get the compass back out and get to true north because I've drifted. It's easy to do. And so here we are, less than 500 years removed from the flood, and now humanity has gone off the rails again. And this rebellion included Abraham. Huh? It did. Abraham was rebellious. Abraham was an idol worshiper. What? Yes. His father was named Terah. Let me show this to you. Terah was a pagan man. He and Abraham and his brother Nahor lived in a place called Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. You'll see the map. Ur was located in the Mesopotamian Valley in what is present-day Iraq, just to the south of the Tigris and Euphrates River, as they dump into what we know of today as the Persian Gulf. Over a thousand miles from the land of Canaan is Ur, what we know today, the land of Canaan, of course, is Israel. Now, Joshua tells us that Terah and his sons worshipped idols. I'll show this to you. Joshua 24, verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham, and there's Abraham's brother, Nahor, and notice the word they served other gods. Abraham was pagan. Then I took your father, notice the word I, the personal pronoun I, that's God. God said, then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. Who can take the credit for this deal? God. That's the point. God can take the credit. Now, here's, here's what's mind-blowing. For these first-century Jews, they've been taught all their life, even by the priest, and it was in the Talmud, that Abraham was a good guy. That he was like, you know, he was too cool for school. I mean, he was all that. Abraham was pagan. And, and see... They thought that God looked down and saw Abraham being this great guy, like, well, like Noah, who was blameless, the Bible says, before God. But that wasn't Abraham. 
He and his brother and his daddy worshiped idols. They didn't even know Yahweh. Have you parked your brain around that? Nothing is said in Scripture about Abraham being good at all. The only biblical account we have of Abraham is the fact that he was an idol worshiper, but that when God came to him, by faith, he believed and he trusted him. Let me ask you something. Are you saved today? Are you born again? Have you given your life to Jesus? That's called salvation. And what part of that did you play? Did you die on the cross? No. Did you rise from the dead? No. Did you bring yourself faith? No. Because God gave you faith. Right? Did you draw yourself to God? No. The Holy Spirit drew you to God, and you can't be saved unless the Holy Spirit's drawing you. Do you have you played any role in this yet? This is yes, this is no. You have played no role in this. Until God came to you, who gave you faith, who drew you by the Holy Spirit, and then you had a choice, just like Abraham, when Yahweh came to him. Will you believe? Same as Abraham. You have a choice. And I'm asking you here today, will you believe? Have you trusted your life to Christ? It's the same, Old Testament or New Testament. It all rests on belief, faith. Abraham could take no credit in being called by God. It was all of God. And that's verse 8. See it? Look at it again in your Bibles. Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he'd never, he didn't even know Yahweh. He didn't know God. And God came to him and spoke to him, and he believed. And he called him to go out to a place he'd never seen. And he left. To these former Jews that Paul is writing to here in Hebrews, this was just unbelievable. To think that the ultimate plan of God to save the world, to redeem humankind back to himself, would flow through a man who was originally pagan. Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold our past against us? 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God didn't hold Abraham's past against him. He didn't look at him and go say, you're disqualified because you've been a pagan idol worshiper all your life. You cannot be used. You're worthless. Aren't you glad that God does not hold our family history against us? Aren't you glad? Think, think about it. Think about who you were before you were saved. Think about it. What God has done. I'm so grateful that God showed such, such great mercy to choose Abraham. And Abraham had done nothing to deserve it. Aren't you grateful I am that God saves the worst of the worst? Because that includes me. That's what God does when he comes to us and we choose to believe him. He changes us. He changed Abraham from a pagan idol worshiper to a man who literally Jesus would come from his descendants. Isn't it amazing what God can do with someone who believes? Someone who trusts in him? It's amazing! It's what faith does. 
I thought about Peter, good old rough, redneck, tough Peter, loudmouth fisherman, redneck if there ever been one. And it was Peter. We talked about him. He preached at Pentecost. 3,000 were saved and they all gathered there in the courtyard. Peter. How about Paul? Who was Paul before he was saved? Saul. Remember what he was doing? Killing Christians. Saul stood there and held the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Aren't you glad that God can take people and change them? I thought about Rahab. We're coming to Rahab in a couple of weeks. Rahab is in the hall of faith. Do you know who Rahab is? What, what was her occupation, people? Yeah, there was a lady in the first service. She went, prostitute. I get it. I do. God took a prostitute because she believed and literally saved her family. Justin did a great job. He, he spoke on Wednesday night. And he talked about Joshua, and he talked about how uh, they would have to cross the, the, the Jordan River and, and then go into Jericho. And remember, they marched around Jericho, and they went in and spied, and, and Joshua and Caleb went in there, remember? And they went to Rahab's house, and what'd she do? She hid them because she believed. She believed what they said, that judgment was coming that Jericho was going to be destroyed. She believed. You, you catch this. We had Noah last week. We had Enoch the week before. We had before that, we, we've got uh, Cain and Abel, and, and, and God said, Cain, I'm going to give you another chance. Sin is crouching at the door. You got a chance here, Rahab. Will you believe? And she believed. And what did she hang out the window? A scarlet thread, they call it. It's, it's a red rope. Look like blood running right out of the side of that window. And Joshua and Caleb told the whole army, when you see that red cord, you save that family. Because Rahab believed. And she was a prostitute. Aren't you glad that God didn't look down and say, no, you're disqualified because of your past. Let me tell you, you may be sitting here today and you've lived a life that's kind of sordid. But let me tell you, it's not too late. Today's the day you can give your life to Christ. And that's all in the past. Like Peter, like Paul, like Rahab. It's, it doesn't matter what you've done. You confess it and you trust in Christ and his blood and you'll be saved. And the past is gone. That's the power of faith changing lives changing our direction. It's powerful. Abraham believed, and what did he do? Well, we said it last week, faith has legs. He got up and left. Where is he going? Have no idea. Leave. Does, is that not crazy? I would have been, this is me, I would have been, okay, north, south, east or west. Can you give me something? He just left. I mean, he just trusted God. It's not told what direction. We know ultimately he went north. I mean, to a degree, he had to go north or west or east. South was into what we know of today as the Persian Gulf. So he's limited to three. Multiple choice question was on three answers instead of four. But he left. Faith has legs. Watch verse 9. See it? Hebrews 11, 9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. He didn't know where it was. He was just told to go to this land. 
And he lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He looked forward to that city. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you looking forward to? You go, lunch. Okay, beyond that, what are you really looking forward to? What are you anticipating? Is it a vacation? A promotion? A marriage? Maybe a baby's coming. What is it that you're anticipating? Let's pick a vacation, just for grins and giggles, okay? Here's my point. Half the fun of a vacation is planning it and thinking about it. True? Think about this. You can be two weeks away from a vacation, and you can be going through that day, and it's a hard day, and you go, oh, bless God, just two more weeks, and I'm on vacation. You know what I'm talking about? And then when you get like a couple of days away, oh, I can do it. I'm dragging to the finish line. But Saturday's coming, right? And so just the anticipation gives you strength for today. Hey, we're on vacation. You go, no, we're not. Yes, we are. Because we're headed to a homeland we've never seen, just like Abraham. We're headed to a place that we've never seen. We can anticipate heaven. Do you think about heaven much? We just get stuck about thinking about what's going on down here in this tent. I tell you, it's, it's fun to think about and plan stuff. Like my wife, I mean, uh, we like going to Disney. That's a, that's a fun thing. I mean, it takes us years to plan a trip and save the money for it. And, and I, I just, I, I, I walk, Pam's putting her makeup on and she, what are you listening to? She's got some podcast on about somebody learned something about how to get in the lines quicker and all this other stuff. And I, and I, she, listen to this, this is so neat. And I, and I just see the excitement and we're not going until September of 2020. <laughs> but she's excited. You see the, you, you see the point? It's the anticipation. And Abraham never saw it, but he was anticipating it. And that's us, folks. Listen, whatever you're going through in your life, whatever health problems, financial problems, when you're down to your 12 bucks, this is not home. This is, we're just pilgrims passing through. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Abraham never got to see that city, but he was longing for it. And that city had foundations. Hey, do you put a foundation down when you put up a tent? Hmm? Dig footers and pour concrete? (laughs) You're in a tent. You're going to move in a few days. That's the point. So many of us, I'm telling you, we are digging footers and putting down foundations, and this ain't home. What's wrong with us? Huh? This is temporary. This is tent living. And we're digging footers. What? What? No foundation here. I think about Abraham. He left the land of his birth. He left the only home he'd ever known. And you know he severed family ties. Aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, many loved ones. He abandoned the comfortable things, didn't he? He abandoned the familiar to embrace what? Absolute and total uncertainty. Sometimes that's what God asks us to do to embrace absolute and total uncertainty. But is it uncertain with him? No. It's just uncertain with us. I think sometimes we'd rather him be uncertain and us be certain. No, let's not do that. We'd mess that up. 
Let's let us be uncertain and let him be certain. Abraham was called to break from his idolatrous past and to follow the living God. And that's what God asks us to do, break from our past and to venture out into the unknown sometimes. I think back to that 12 bucks. I really do. I thought about it a lot this week. So grateful now that we're sitting in a paid-for building. <laughs> 13 years, $3 million debt. And today is the first Sunday we're sitting here debt-free. I cannot tell you how wonderful that feels. But I remember when it was 12 bucks. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you who showed great faith in this church. When that Sunday that I was elected as pastor here, as one of the, the uh, elder pastors, August the 12th, 2007, and we were told, Brad and I were, that we had 12 bucks. It scared me. And I said, brother, you can't get blood out of a turnip. And I said, we're going to have to grow. We're down to 275 people, and we're going to have to grow. And I said, do what you got to do. Do what you feel the Lord's leading you to do. And he said, well, he said, I would like to bring you, I'd like to change the music some. I'd like to bring in an electric guitar. I said, have at it. Let me tell you the group of people who were willing to really make the change. Those people today in this room that's over the age of 70. Because this was not something they were accustomed to like Abraham or like the Jews who had been going to the temple for all these years, taking a, a lamb to a guy. He slaughtered it, did the blood. He came out. You're, you're covered for another year. And now it's all new. We're not going to do just as I am for every invitation. In fact, we're going to play Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, Chris Tomlin's version. Because that's got drums in it. Because when we brought the drums in, wow! <laughs> How many of you go to your car and listen to organ music? <laughs> One. Dave Espenshade, <laughs> you are a weird, strange man. <laughs> no. I, Pastor Dale listens to some of that music, too. He's the same way. He's kind of a little bit off. <laughs> couple of french fries short of a happy meal you know what I mean <laughs> I'm joking here's the point our older folks were willing to be like Abraham I remember we had a meeting here pastor Brad and I we we catered we had 12 bucks we catered a lunch for our older folks our young at harders we put it on the church credit card we didn't have any money <laughs> <laughs> and we fed them and we talked to them and said look this is where we believe the Lord would have us go. We didn't want to cram this down their throat. That's where so many churches make a mistake. They say, this is the way, you know, the elders pass. Like, we believe this is the way to go and bless God. If you're trusting God, you're going to trust us. I get all that. But people like to feel included in the decision and at least be made known of what's going on, you know. And so we say, look, would you be willing to do this? We had a man stand up. They didn't know what he was going to say. He said, brother, pastor, may I have a word? And I'm like, oh, goodness. You never know. You never know. I thought he's going to say, this is ridiculous. You know, we're not changing. He said, he said y'all, we're sitting in here, right over here, the two big lines of tables, probably 45, 50 of our young at Harders here. He said, y'all, we've had our day. We've had our music. He said, we need to let these boys do what they need to do. We need to, we need to trust God. And they did. And you know what? I'm 51 years old. And you know what's going to start to happen in my life? I'm getting old. 
And guess what's going to happen when I'm about 60, 65? And this younger crowd wants to change the music. And the way we've done things like we did them back in 2019. And now it's 2034. Build a bridge. Get over it, Kevin. <laughs> True? I do not want to be one of those people that want to hold the whole church back to the past of traditions that aren't even in Scripture just because it's my way. And so the older crowd that's here, and I say that with all due respect, the young at Harders, you are the ones that need to be applauded because you said, God, we trust these fellas. Do what you need to do. We're willing to go along. And so may we applaud these folks today. Because you were Abraham's. You were embarking in areas that you did not know. And you, you trusted. You trusted God. And that, that Brad and I were hearing from the Lord. And look at what the Lord has done. He's been so faithful. They journeyed to a place they didn't know, just like we're journeying to heaven, a place that we've never seen. Something else I want to uh, throw in that I think is quite astounding is the fact that they ended up in a, in a town for about five years on this journey. I want to show this to you. Take a look at this map. Abraham would leave Ur, and he would go to a place called Haran. And he would stay there five years until God gave him direction. It seems that God parked him there for five years. You'll see the yellow circle there about midway in the map. Ultimately, God would take Abraham there. And Abraham finally would be told by God to go down to Shechem. You'll see it there on the left side of the map. That is in modern-day Israel. That's the promised land. The point is, is that Abraham had great faith, and he trusted God, and he moved every time he told him to move. He trusted him. Th this is faith. Look at verse 13 in your Bibles again. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they're seeking a homeland. Abraham could have gone back. He could have gone back to Ur, but he didn't. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But he wasn't thinking about Ur. He was thinking about moving forward. And are we thinking about moving forward? But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Abraham never saw that heavenly city, and nor have we. But they keep trusting. Are you trusting the Lord today? Maybe he's called you to a place that's unknown. And you feel uncertain. Has God called you to it? Trust him. Trust him, not your circumstances. God said that he would make a great nation out of Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham was waiting for a people. And why was that? Because God had spoken to Abraham and he said, it's through you. In fact, this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. See it on the screens. Genesis 12 verse 1. This is the covenant that God made with Abraham. This was before Abraham. He was originally Abram. And when you have an encounter with God, often he changes your name. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your, notice this, and your father's house. Leave your father's house and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The problem is they didn't have any kids. You saw that there. It says that you must leave your father's house. Let me tell you what happened going back to Haran. 
The Bible describes that when God called them to leave Haran, they had been there five years. And do you know who was with Abraham and Sarah in Haran? Terah. Huh? Daddy. The, da the pagan dad went with the son to Haran. Daddy, wait a minute. Do any of you have moms and dads who are lost that maybe don't know Christ or you're not sure? I really, the scripture doesn't say this specifically or explicitly, but implicitly here, Terah believed Abraham. Abraham said to his daddy, Dad, Dad, Papa, listen, listen. Yahweh has spoken to me. Who's Yahweh? He is, he is the only God. All these other gods are fakes. We've made with our hands. They're, they're images that we, man has made with hands. I have spoken to the God who created us. Dad, he says to leave. And Terah went with him. He went to Haran. Maybe you've got a dad or a mom that's not following Christ. For so many years, I, my dad didn't follow the Lord. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for many, many years. And, and my father is following Christ. And he's a leader in our home. And our family's a patriarch. And I'm so grateful. But it took a lot of years of praying. Hey, don't give up. I believe Abraham influenced his dad to come. But now we got a problem. God has told Abraham and Sarah they're going to have kids. But Sarah is barren. And Abraham, the Bible says, is as good as dead. Means he's impotent. Houston, we have a problem. You, this is, this is, they're old. But here comes the Lord to intervene. Look at verse 11. Hebrews 11, 11. Here comes the Lord. He steps into the realm of the impossible. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was too old since she considered him faithful who had promised. But you remember, though, Sarah laughed. You remember? Sarah laughed. Abraham said, you're going to have a kid. She, <laughs> she says, if we do, I'm going to call him laughter. That's what Isaac means, laughter. That's the name Isaac, laughter. Again, aren't you glad that God doesn't hold our past against us? The Bible says there that she believed, but we're like the man so often. The man says, Lord, I believe, but help my what? Unbelief. Yeah. And so, yeah, she laughed when she first heard it, but she believed there. The Bible says she did because she considered him faithful who promised. She considered God faithful. Verse 12, therefore, from one man, that's Abraham, and him as good as dead, we're born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God made a promise to this couple, and it would take God to fulfill it. So who gets the credit? There again, God. He gets all the credit. There was nothing Abraham and Sarah could do except to depend on the Lord. Are you there today? You've done all you can do. You've agonized over it. You've tried to reason it out. You've got out pen and paper. Got the calculator out. It don't add up. Good. Good. Let go of it. Walk away from it. Walk away from it. Abraham and Sarah had to walk away from it. God, we can't do this. Let him do it. Quit trying. It's going to drive you crazy. Let me tell you something. When we were down to 12 bucks, there was some agonizing going on in this guy's head. I think Brad had a lot more faith than I had. I was scared. We had, a, we had an emergency budget finance meeting the next day after we were told we had 12 bucks. Oh, and I showed a strong front. It's going to be okay. And my legs were like jello. 
right after that, we had a deacon's meeting. Bless God, Pastor, what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to be fine. And I drove home crying. Seriously. I was like, I don't know. We just, we just took our hands off of us and said, Lord, it's yours. What, there, there's no way to figure this. We live in Wills County, and we got 700 people coming here. That's crazy. We're not in Winston-Salem. We're not in Raleigh. We're in Podunk. I mean, is that true? Look at the back of the bulletin. We had 681 people here last week in the middle of summer. That's a God thing. Only God could do that. So he gets all the credit. He did it. We just had to trust him. It's hard, though, sometimes. You know, I think it's easier to trust God when you come up against like a cliff. You know, let's say you, you've been brought to a cliff. Somebody, they strap on a, you know, one of those backpacks, those parachutes, rip cords right here. And they say, okay, we're going to count it down. Ten seconds, you're jumping. I mean, it, it would almost be easier to muster that up. I hope the rip cord works. But you just, <clears throat> okay, I mean, that takes faith, yes. But I swear I think it takes more faith to be back here in the darkness. To be back here in the unknown, and you're just waiting for 25 years, like Abraham and Sarah waited. For 25 years, God told him when he was 75 years old, he was going to have a boy. And he was 100 when Isaac was born. Can you imagine what that looked like to the people that saw Abraham and Isaac? Uh, Abraham and Sarah with Isaac? I mean, maybe people didn't, didn't know them that well. You know, of course, Abraham was very popular. But, I mean, just go with me here on this analogy. It's kind of humorous when you think about it. Oh, Abraham and Sarah, is that your great-great-grandson there? No, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, that's his name, Laughter. Yeah, yeah. Isaac, Laughter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really? I mean, it's ridiculous. And so, don't you know they're talking? <laughs> wow. That's a miracle. It, it truly was. It was a miracle. So God got the credit. Listen, faith sees the invisible. Faith hears the inaudible. Faith touches that which can't be held before it's ever seen. And faith accomplishes the impossible. Why? Because you did it? No, God did. God did. That's why faith is so powerful when we trust God. Will you trust Him? Jesus said in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Are you looking at your circumstances right now and you go, it's impossible? Good, good. Because when it gets accomplished, God will get the glory. Be sure to give Him the glory. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 20, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly all that we can ask or think, and he has done that here in this church, and I bet he's done it in your life, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, all generations, forever and ever, amen. And so even to this day, this generation celebrates God's goodness. Abraham, the man called the friend of God. And this brings us to verse 16 very quickly. Last thought. And it's an astounding, literally a stunning thought. But as it is, verse 16, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Now here's the stunning thought. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know what's stunning about that? Look at me. 
God is not ashamed to look down at me and say, I am Kevin Brown's God. Wow. Wow. That, think of that. Kelly. God looks down and says, I'm Kelly Nichols' God. Ronald. I'm Ronald Huffman's God. He's not ashamed to be identified with us. But do you know what I've done in my life and in my past? Last week, I mean, put a little camera in our homes, shall we? Huh? Would you like that shown next week? Maybe put a little camera at your cubicle. Really? I mean, aren't we all messed up? Aren't we all dysfunctional? Is there anyone normal in the room? Raise your hand. We're all nuts. <laughs> Truly, we are. Think of all the little idiosyncrasies that we have. We're all a little bit crazy. We're all a half bubble short of plum. I'm telling you. It's, it's just, and so praise God that he can still use us and do great and wonderful things by faith, by faith. Even when you're down to your last $12. Amen? Amen. Now, before we pray, there's a family that has told me that today's the day that they want to join. And while you're seated so that you can see them, I want to ask the church family to come. Joel, Amanda, do you all mind? Avery, Anna. They're going to come up here and stand with me. This is a fantastic family. Um, Joel's brother is Jacob, who is our... He's more than our sound guy. He's like, I don't know, he's, he's kind of like the, the Oreo filling in an Oreo cookie. He kind of makes it all work. Joel is also uh, the son of Terry Church, who is our church treasurer, the man who told us we had $12. <laughs> and Joel and his wife. But Joel and Amanda uh, come along with Avery and Anna, and they want to join the church today. And uh, Joel told me, he said, it's like, it's, it's, it's coming back home. He said, it's been 21 years, and this is where God's called us, and this is where we want to do this. And so if you rejoice with me and the church family and their decision, would you let it be known by saying praise the Lord? Praise Fantastic. Lord. I want to ask you all to go and stand over here at the exit doors, and I want to ask the church to stand. You want to come by after I pray and, and greet them. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the church family, first of all. I thank you for their desire to be here, for Joel and Amanda, Avery and Anna. Thank you for bringing them back, uh, Joel. And I just, I praise you for, for, for them. Lord, for what you've accomplished here today, I'm, I'm grateful. Lord, there are maybe individuals in this room that's never prayed to receive Jesus. Father, you know my heart. We're going to be back here at this guest information room, right back here in this, in this, this corner, and, and, and we're here to receive anyone. Father, I pray you wouldn't let anyone walk out of here without coming back there and talking to me or Dale or Matthew, that, that we can encourage them to come to know Jesus, to know you and be free, to feel that freedom. Lord, maybe there are those here today who say, well, um, I didn't go up for an invitation. It's, and Lord, you know my heart. It's one of the reasons we've, we've, we've stopped this, what we call an invitation. It's not in Scripture. But I believe so many people throughout our churches around this country, people come to a church and they, go, they don't go forward in an invitation. 
you know, the same handful do every week. And so people can, they can, they can almost dismiss it. And they can go, well, I didn't go forward, so I don't have to make a decision. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because we're all encountering you now. And so we all encounter you at this moment where we stand. It's holy ground. It's not just uh, 25 feet up here in front of this wooden uh, platform. This is not the place where only decisions can be made. Decisions can be made right where we stand, right now. And you call us to make a decision like Abraham to decide, will we, will we believe? Lord, if there are those today who are stuck in familiar and they won't go out and launch out, Father, help them to know that, yes, it is uncertain, but you're certain. Father, maybe those here today and they're struggling, they may have a need. Lord, we're still available. They can come back and share with us and we'll be, at, we'll be able to pray with them right back there in the room. Father, I just don't want to use some two and a half minute rush through deal, me trying to figure out when I'm trying to pray with somebody about important life-changing matters, whether or not we're on the last course or the second verse. I'm done with that. This is serious business. And if people need to get out and go eat, that's fine. But for those that need to make life-changing decisions, we want to take the time to do it, and I'm willing to stay as long as we need to. Lord, take us now from this place and take us down our journey and help us to anticipate heaven, to anticipate it. And remember that we live in tents. We're not making foundations here. You don't make a foundation for a tent. And we're just like Abraham. Help us to believe and to trust in faith. Lord, thank you for what's been accomplished. Thank you that the building's paid off and we're worshiping in a debt-free facility. But most of all, thank you for paying my sin debt. Thank you for Jesus. For we pray this prayer in his sweet name. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.